Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. My name is Dr. Sid Rupp, and I'm your host. Welcome back to Gnostic Insights. For the past few weeks, we've been working together on my next book that will be called A Simple Explanation of the Gnostic Gospel. And so far, we've recorded the introduction, the chapter one, which is the God above all gods about the Father, and chapter two, the emanation of the Son and the All, and Part two of that chapter, the next week, was the generation of the eons. This now is a further look at the generation of the eons, culminating in the emanation of Logos. Then at the very end of all of these several weeks of going through the Gnostic Gospel, explaining everything in detail, and these are all off of my previous Gnostic Insights podcasts, So, you no longer have to go back to the Gnostic Gospel primer, as I've always recommended in the past, because we're starting again from the beginning and going through now. And I have found that over the past year and a half of recording Gnostic Insights, that more and more Gnosis has been discovered as I have been working through this process. And so, what we're hearing now in these new book chapters This is the extent of where I am so far, and uh, pretty exciting process. I hope you're enjoying it. So here we go with today's episode, which is The Generation of the Eons of the Fullness, Part 2. The instant the eons became self-aware, the all fell out of their unthinking, blissful union and arranged themselves into the fullness And I'm quoting now from the Tripartite Tractate. And again, this is the version of the Tripartite Tractate that you can find at Gnosis.org. Quote, Each one of the eons is a name, that is, each of the properties and powers of the Father, since he exists in many names, which are intermingled and harmonious with one another. Just as the Father is a single name because he is a unity, yet is innumerable in his properties and names. End quote. By this point in the Tripartite Tractate, the Son comes to be referred to as the Father, because the Son is the Father of the Second Glory, the Aeons of the Fullness. We see here that the Son, although a singular monad, is still a unity of many eons. The Son becomes knowable through the innumerable properties and names of the eons. What does it mean by names? I think that these names are the first appearance of what we would come to call ego, 
These disparate identities include names like flower, tree, dog, human, even parts of living bodies who themselves are alive, like kidney cells. They're not names like my name or like Frank or George. They are not those types of identities. These are functional identities. The eons then arranged themselves into a hierarchy of, quote, minds of minds, which are found to be words of words, elders of elders, degrees of degrees, which are exalted above one another. Each one of those who give glory has his place and his exaltation and his dwelling and his rest, which consists of the glory which he brings forth. End quote. The hierarchy of the fullness prefigures the fractal patterns of our universe. Minds over minds, words over words, superiors over superiors, as Thomason's translation puts it, refers to personalities and how they relate to one another. Elders of elders and degrees of degrees refers to the manner by which things are sorted, stacked, and ordered. First, second, third, superior, inferior, and so on. Each with its own place, exaltation, dwelling, and rest, reflects the fact that each self-aware entity has its own unique place in the grand scheme, its own personal expression or exaltation, a location different than its neighbors, thus possessing its very own point of view. Quote, It is he, the Father, who gave root impulses to the eons, since they are places on the path which leads to him, as toward a school of behavior. He has extended to them faith in and prayer to him whom they do not see, and a firm hope in him of whom they do not conceive, and a fruitful love which looks toward that which it does not see and an acceptable understanding of the eternal mind, and a blessing, which is riches and freedom, and a wisdom of the one who desires the glory of the Father for his thought. End quote. The originating Father continually emanates a Holy Spirit out through the Son that entices its generations to seek out their source. The tripartite tractate says, quote, It is by virtue of his will that the Father, the one who is exalted, is known. That is, by virtue of the Spirit which breathes in the totalities, and it gives them an idea of seeking after the unknown one. Just as one is drawn by a pleasant aroma to search for the thing from which the aroma arises, since the aroma of the Father surpasses these ordinary ones for his sweetness leaves the eons in ineffable pleasure, and it gives them their idea of mingling with him who wants them to know him in a united way, and to assist one another in the spirit which is sown within them. End quote. It is said that although the Father put an unquenchable thirst to align themselves with the One into the minds of the fullness, 
he did not reveal to them the father's ineffable nature and the impossibility of reuniting with him and surviving to tell the tale. This was doubtless to keep alive the hope of reunification with the father as a motive for continually giving glory. The eons of the fullness sat in perfect equilibrium in their hierarchy of ranks, stations, and names. They were a congress of one accord, meaning they agreed on everything, and they cooperated together to bring about a single dream of paradise. You could note one difference between the all and the fullness is that, while the all sings their songs in blissful unison, the fullness sings their songs in perfectly tuned, multi-toned harmony. In addition to their identities, the eons of the fullness were all given wisdom, which is the ability to reason with logic and prudence. They were given a thirst to seek after the originating consciousness of their Creator and a desire to align themselves with the Father's will through the process of giving glory. And they were all creative geniuses, able to dream up a fully functioning mental paradise where whatever they willed in the Father's name happily happened. This dream of paradise is our foretaste of heaven shared by cultures around the world. The generation of the eons was not a one-and-done deal. After their initial emanation out of the all, the eons continued to generate more and more eons through various combinations of eons giving glory. The pattern by which these younger eons were generated was the same as the manner by which the original eons of the eons were generated, as an exchange of love and admiration passed between the Father and the fullnesses. The eons of the eons praised the Father together, and together they received the Father's reflected glory. This exchange of praise from the eons and reflected glory from the Father resulted in the generation of new aeonic emanations. As we have already noted, the exchange of admirations and glory between the Father and the Son was like, quote, the multitude of some who kiss one another with a good, insatiable thought, the kiss being a unity, although it involves many kisses, end quote. And, like all fractals, this pattern replicated itself throughout the generations that followed. These kisses first formed the generation of the all. Then the all procreated, quote, innumerable eons, also in an uncountable way. They too beget by the properties and dispositions in which it exists. For these comprise its association, which they form toward one another and toward those who have come forth from them toward the sun, for whose glory they exist. Again quoting, As a result, just as they were brought forth in glory for the Father, so too, in order to appear perfect, they appeared acting by giving glory since each one of them individually does not exist so as to give glory in a unitary way to him whom he loves, 
The fruit of the third glory, however, consists of honors of the will of each one of the eons and each one of the properties. End quote. This is saying that the entire system of the eons has a love and longing for the perfect, complete discovery of the Father, and that the Father, quote, grants that he be conceived of in such a way as to be sought for while keeping to himself his unsearchable primordial being, end quote. The tripart goes on to say that the Father, quote, gave root impulses to the eons, since there are places on the path which leads towards him, as towards a school of behavior. He has extended to them faith in and prayer to him whom they do not see, and a firm hope in him of whom they do not conceive, and a fruitful love which looks toward that which does not see, and an acceptable understanding of the eternal mind, and a blessing which is riches and freedom and wisdom of the one who desires the glory of the Father for his thought. They have begotten, for he has knowledge and wisdom, and the totalities knew that it is from the knowledge and wisdom that they have come forth. They would have brought forth a seeming honor, that is, the Father is the one who is the totalities, if the eons had risen up to give honor individually. Therefore, in the song of glorification and in the power of the unity of him from whom they have come, they were drawn into a mingling and a combination and a unity with one another. They offered glory worthy of the Father from the pluramatic congregation, which is a single representation, although many, because it was brought forth as a glory for the single one, and because they came forth toward the one who is himself the totalities. End quote. This verse describes how the eons mingle and combine with one another to give glory to the Father. All possible combinations of eons are needed in order to express the complexity of the otherwise ineffable Father. Each and every eon combined and recombined, and the glory they gave the Father was returned to them as additional eons, earning their designation as the fullness of God. Quote, Those of that place are ineffable and innumerable in the system, which is both the manner and the size, the joy, the gladness of the unbegotten the unnamed, the unnameable, the inconceivable, invisible one. It is the fullness of paternity, so that his abundance is a begetting of the eons of the eons. They were forever in thought, for the Father was like a thought and a place for them. End quote. In their desire to give glory to the Father, that is, to align their wills, with the Father's will, eons of the fullness were required to follow these three simple rules. They were only to, one, give glory to the Father, not to the fullness. Eons were to remain aligned with the Son and not shift their focus to the fullness as a whole. Two, 
give glory to the Father, not to the individual eons. Eons were to remain always mindful of the Father and not to give glory to themselves and their talented neighbors as individuals. 3. Give glory to the Father to the best of their own ability. Each eon was to give glory from its own location in the hierarchy. They were not to sidle up next to an eon who appeared closer to the Father in order to borrow that eon's station to give better glory. Rather, the individual was to develop its own voice and talents through the process of giving glory to the Father. By following these rules, the eons kept their focus on the Father and their motivations pure. While this may be a description of the eons and how they think and feel, it is also a description of us, because, as we will soon learn, we are the fruit of the eons, so every characteristic that the eons possess, we also possess. The final eon that was produced as an emanation of the Pleroma of the Fullness arose by all of the eons giving glory together. The Fullness thus produced a final eon whom the tripartite tractate calls by the name Logos. Because Logos was produced through the entirety of the Pleroma giving glory as one, this eon possessed within itself all of the characteristics of the entire Pleroma. Logos was not the equivalent of the Pleroma, though. Rather, Logos contained within itself a fractal iteration of all the other eons. Because of this, Logos in his entirety resembled a model representation of the hierarchy of God a fractal level down from the eons. That is why, in my illustration of the fullness, I depict a large pyramid of golden orbs topped by a smaller pyramid resembling the entirety of the Pleroma. That smaller pyramid on top is Logos. And this is the end of this chapter about the creation of the eons. Next week, we'll learn more about Logos and the tragedy that was soon to occur. I'm so glad to have you along for this ride as we explore Gnosis together. If you are enjoying this series, if you are discovering your own Gnosis through what I am sharing with you, please consider donating. I really appreciate hearing from you. If you would like to go to GnosticInsights.com and send me a comment, I will reply. Until then, God bless us all. And onward and upward.